This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. You could support this show by going to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. We appreciate your support. You can get bonus episodes, ad-free episodes if you're a subscriber. And I want to give a shout out to some of our more recent Patreon supporters. They include Tom S., Dan M., Sarah M., George S., Jill P. L., Samson M., Dion P., Tiffany O., Susan S., Jake S., Cormac V., and Aaron's B. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Thanks, gang. And happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Happy Warren Christmas season for all who celebrate. I have my sword ready to go. Uh-huh. I'm really... Re- I've already torn down, like, mm, six baby Jesuses from public go. spaces. As, uh, it's, as you must. I, I, I can feel please the universe when I do it. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Maybe we'll go shorter to celebrate the season. We'll see. I have a few stories I definitely want to tell you all about here. Mm-hmm. The first one is one of the upsides to being, you know, clearly the best podcasters is sometimes you get... Uh, advanced copies of stuff that's going to be public very soon. Oh. And now, is this uh, by virtue of you being a podcaster or a journalist? I no longer know anymore. <laughs> but Because I get fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I got advanced screeners for a new show that is premiering this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, on um, Investi- uh, what's the ID channel. Oh, Investigative Discovery? That's the investigation one. Investigation Discovery? Yep, Excuse me, Investigation so sorry, Discovery. And it's a show called Let Us Pray, Pray spelled with an E, and it's called Let Us Pray, A Ministry of Scandals. That homophone is really the best thing that's happened to Uh, titling in a long time. Homophone? That's right. And yeah, so basically this is a four-part docuseries that covers basically the predatory behavior within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. So it's really specific. Very specific. It's not just about like religion writ large. It's interesting. It's about the IFB movement, which is a very specific kind of sect where if you're in it and you've escaped it, like you know it. And only recently have we... I think the broader public who doesn't pay attention to the, you know, religion stories in general, only recently have we started to see these stories come out in a broad way. For a couple of years, there have been some journalists who have covered sexual abuse within Protestant churches Mm -hmm. as well as Catholic ones. But really, this this four-part series is giving voice to a lot of the survivors of sexual abuse, physical abuse, who are speaking out about this movement, against this movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, most of the thing is just them telling their stories as opposed to anything else. You don't hear from IFB pastors defending any of this. Good Uh, luck with that. Yeah, I don't want to hear from them anyway. (laughs) Um, And I'll tell you more about the series itself, but just keep in mind, over the past several months... Think about what's come out. Mm. Shiny Happy People, yep. the prime video series about the Duggars and mm-hmm. the movement they were a part of, which mm-hmm. overlaps with the IFB movement. We had Savior Complex on HBO, mm-hmm. which was about that Christian missionary who went to, was it Uganda? Mm-hmm. And her ignorance and her inability to do the work of a doctor but cosplaying is one, it was, and it, it led to the deaths of several African children. It was her, and hubris. And hubris. And her defense is they were going to die. She was trying to help them, whatever. I, but just sidebar, I finished that. Uh, we talked about it a little bit when I was halfway through. I kind of feel like they didn't go hard enough on her. 
Yeah, I mean, she's cooperating with them, so I was oh, like, fair enough. Was, were they going to go hard on her? I don't know. Yeah. There's also, we didn't talk about this, but this also appeared on National Geographic, The Mission, which is all about John Allen Chow, who is the Christian missionary who foolishly <gasps> and fatally tried to go to yes. that island uh, off the coast, uh, off of India's coast. And it's an isolated tribe. And he's like, I'm going to teach them about the Bible. And they're like, we don't allow outsiders here. And then they shot him, I assume, with bows and arrows. But he's dead now. Yeah. And when that story happened. And for what? And for what? And for what? And when that story took place several years ago, the commentary was, is this guy a martyr for the faith? Or is he just an idiot who's not listening to rules, but because of his religious delusions, Mm -hmm. thinking these people have never heard about Jesus, I must tell them it's my mission. Well, and not only his religious delusions, but how many times has he heard this? His Mm. entire life is like, your job is to spread the word of Christ. And And these are people who definitively have not heard about it. When you tell people something like that, they take it really fucking seriously. (laughs) And also, if an outsider goes to their island, you are bringing your diseases that they Mm. do not have natural immunity. To and all in of that, disease. they don't know what it is, no, right? No, like, no, 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 Christians. Oh, Chris, yeah, <laughs> guys like this. So anyway, the point is, I I love and appreciate the fact that the inner workings of various Christian denominations right. and all of that stuff that we've been talking about forever, that I've been writing about forever, like. I love that it's getting exposed to this mainstream audience. And hopefully they all realize like, oh, the fact that Investigation Discovery is now doing this series, Let Us Pray. It's like, that's a true crime channel. And they're like, you know what we should tackle? No, not like Wives with Knives. Let's go to church. Because if you want to talk about true crime, buddy, (laughs) church should be... A hotbed of stories for you to tell. Oh my God. And I hope, because I know I do so well, I just know in my heart at some point, what's the name of the show? Let us pray. Let us pray. At some some point, they're going to fucking shoehorn and make some poor talking head be like, and then he said, let us pray. And then we can all be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said the title. Like every episode of Snapped at some point. It's like, and then she just snapped. Hey, the name of the show, they did it. Um, The... (laughs) <laughs> so this show, uh, the narrators, the the victims, the survivors, they're almost entirely women. They're sharing their horrifying stories as well as their efforts to obtain justice or bring this stuff to light. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that happens. They They interviewed one of the reporters who's done a lot of work on these stories. But sometimes, as you hear, it doesn't. Um, like they don't get justice. They don't get those pastors who abuse them. Mm-hmm. Like nothing happens to them. Mm-hmm. But that's the story in and of itself. And so for people who are not familiar with the IFB sect, the stories of purity culture, sexual grooming by pastors, the unearned trust that families give to religious leaders. I mean, I, I hope that's shocking to people yeah. who watch it for the first time because this is not a fringe movement. The IFB cult, sect, whatever you want to call it. Mm. We're talking about over 6,000 churches and 8 million members. 8 million mm-hmm. members. And how many listeners of this podcast we have? Like uh, 14? million, yes. <laughs> so, like, 
it's it was amazing to watch the courage of these survivors retell their traumatic stories, sure. who also, by the way, went out of their own way to support fellow victims, mm. even though they were strangers saying, you're going after this guy, I'll be in court yeah. for you to make sure I'm watching this. Yeah, um, and just to give you some names, because I don't know how many of these names are familiar to most viewers who are not inundated with this stuff regularly. These are survivors? These are No, these are the, the, pr- the, the predators, predator. basically. Jack Hiles, Jack Scopp, Boyd and Stephanie Householder, Bruce Goddard. Like, if those names are not familiar to you, you they come up a lot in this series. Goddard. They are Where people. Where do I know that name from? Ah, predator. Like, <laughs> they show up a lot. But again, if you're familiar with the IFB movement, those are not unusual names for you. Um... And that's another thing like, oh, I know these names because I know some of the stuff they did. But the fact that they're getting this broader uh, awareness, that's great. Just to give you some stuff. How can you not be shocked when one of the women in the series describes the way predators were moved from church to church, Catholic style? She described it as the pedophile shuffle. Wow. Uh huh. There was the pastor who once gifted a 15-year-old girl who said she had never had a teddy bear growing up. He gifted her a teddy bear. It had a camera in it. Uh, and underwear. And then later... Wait. Yeah. He gave her a teddy bear and underwear? In the bag. Yep. Don't. And then later don't. on, he asked her, are don't. you wearing no, the didn't. panties? Yep. Don't say panties to a child. That's the exact quote from the then 15-year-old who spoke in this series. Uh, There's this woman, Amanda Householder, who talks about how her parents ran a dangerous Christian boarding school, and she's the one who reported them to authorities. Wow, good for her. Mm -hmm. That's brave. There's also another former IFB member who says, every IFB church is a powder keg ready to explode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One... Victim kind of summarizes all this. This is like a few minutes into episode one. When women are being told they have no power, and when men are given all the power, it is a perfect storm for sexual abuse. Yep. There was uh, one of the women who spoke said of her pastor slash abuser, I hate that he was my first everything. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, those are the stories that these women are retelling, which... Hard to do, and also I hope people understand how hard that is to do, and I hope they take it seriously. And it's not that every IFB church harbors predators, it's that the institution is so broken that predators are able to roam freely between churches, knowing Mm -hmm. they'll probably avoid accountability. Mm -hmm. It's that the women in these churches are taught to be submissive, obedient, they have to suppress their sexuality, Mm -hmm. no matter how uh, purposefully they're trying to or not. They create a pathway for these predators to pounce. And these family members and friends of the victims are basically led to believe these pastors can't do anything wrong. And the fact that these shows are airing these stories for people who don't know what's going on. They think religion is a virtue. They'd say, oh, I have to go to church because that's how else will I teach my kids morals. And the fact that these are the stories coming out like this, good. I'm so glad that (laughs) churches are now the places where a lot of these stories are coming from so that people realize, no, mm-hmm. this is not dude who lives by himself mm-hmm. in a random small town right. doing something awful. No, this is the religious leader who manages a church across the street from you. Mm-hmm. And it's not unusual. And again, 
I want to repeat, it's not that every church leader is like this. It's that the institution right. protects people like this over the the survivors of the abuse. So right. I'm telling you, I got a chance to watch all four episodes. They were all just like, oh, I need to I need to binge watch this, which sounds wrong. Yeah. But also I couldn't stop listening to their stories. It was Did good. You, and you said it's just camera like interview to camera it's a lot of interviews is there any like recreations or anything no reenactments rather no there's there's no reenactments of these sordid scenes what you do see are clips of some of these pastors speaking from the pulpit um jack scop is a famous name we're going to talk about ifb churches in a second for another reason but like jack scop is one of these guys who is both a sexual predator and one of the main dudes in the ifb movement so Hmm. is jack hiles but there are some famous clips of Jack Scott saying things from the pulpit that have since gone viral on YouTube, mm-hmm. on TikTok, because it's like, the way you're doing this is very inappropriate and wrong. Like, after the Bill Cosby stuff came out, everyone <laughs> went back through his stuff and was like, hey, gang, he was kind of telegraphing this yeah. to you for a minute. Uh, one of the commenters on my site basically pointed out how necessary these shows are because the general public mm-hmm. is mostly completely unaware of the behavior of churches and they need to know because I'm sure a lot of them go to church and just assume their church is fine. Therefore the denomination they're in is probably fine. Uh, right. And, and, and to me, it's very, very similar to um, the fact that like Congress at large has a 20% approval rating, but <laughs> congressmen get reelected over and over and over again because yeah. people are like, well, Congress is broken. My guy's fine. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. get, he, he's not the problem. It's all these other nerds. Like yeah. it's why it's so frustrating when, I mean, political reporting, when they're like, Congress is broken. It's like, nope, no, it's no, one party that's yeah. doing all the breaking. Yeah. You should say that and stop pretending the whole thing is the problem. Yeah. Cause when it's working, things are actually pretty damn nice. Right. Um, and it's the same thing. If you say religion is a virtue mm-hmm. or ch- Catholic church is a, a, a entity for good or yeah, whatever you yeah, want to say, yeah. it's the same thing. Pick your denomination. We'll find problems with it. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the Southern Baptist Conference, uh, Southern Baptist Convention, the, the IFB churches, right. they actually had a clip of Stephen Anderson, who is one of the new IFB preachers who says all sorts of horrible anti-LGBTQ stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not even IFB, but he is technectically, indirectly connected, I guess. I was like, why'd you include him in here? I need that's a, a different... flow chart of all oh, the branches of Christianity they in exist. the United States. Oh, I bet. They and exist in, in usually in cartoon form when they're on a blackboard and they're like, and this is when we figured out the truth <laughs> as you see the full tree <laughs> branching out. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Last weekend, I had my in-laws over and we needed to make dinner in a crunch. Instead of ordering out, we did something even easier thanks to ButcherBox. We were able to grab just what we needed and exactly how much we needed from the freezer. After that, everything else was a breeze. You too can skip the grocery store knowing you have the food you trust and the food you chose in your freezer. I know that might sound strange coming from me since I'm vegetarian, but they have a high-quality veggie burger that I absolutely love. They have options for pescatarians too. And if you eat everything, that's also okay. The food from ButcherBox is high quality, grass-fed, and free-range. Have peace of mind knowing there are no antibiotics or added hormones. Sign up at ButcherBox.com friendly and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. 
Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com friendly and use code friendly to choose your free for a year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Let me jump to the United Methodist Church Uh-oh. because this is also interesting because last weekend, this is the second largest Protestant denomination in the United States, okay. the United Methodist Church after Southern Baptist. UMC has more than 12 million members and their whole church is breaking apart right now because Uh-oh. they can't really figure out what to do about gay people and trans people. <laughs> oh, uh, no. And here's the controversy. Several years ago... Is an option, like, let them be? Uh, <laughs> it's an option, it's not your fucking business? The, the, the problem <laughs> is they're trying to have it all ways and no one's happy with what they're doing. Mm. What happened is in 2019... They actually had a vote for the whole conference. They have like in uh, every couple of years, maybe they have a meeting. COVID kind of put a stop to the meetings mm. in person. So they haven't been able to have one. Right. But in 2019, they had a vote on should we ordain uh, gay people as ministers? What if they're in a relationship? Should we ordain them mm-hmm. and allow them to be ministers? Should we allow any pastors in our denomination to perform same sex marriages? Right. Catholic Church says no to all of that stuff. Um, But the majority of UMC churches in the the United States basically said, it's fine. All of our churches, it's not necessarily the same hierarchy as the Catholic Church. So they're like, let the churches, individual churches, decide their own way forward. If they are cool with it. We're not making a blanket decision on this. If they want to do it, let them do it. Um, But in 2019, 53% of the delegates said, nope. Reject it all. Like, do not allow uh, gay people in relationships to be ministers. No performing same-sex marriages. So it's a close vote. 53%, though, said no. And most of those people, because it's the United Methodist Church, most of those no's came from outside the United States. And this is the thing. Like, yeah, it's a global global institution. And it's a lot of, like, African churches that said no to the homosexuality stuff. Sure. And a lot of the UMC churches in the U.S. said, no, we're okay with it here. But again, the decision is no uh, as a full thing. So that meant any churches that were pro-inclusion kind of had to make a decision. Do you accept these new rules? Or leave the church. Yeah, and say goodbye to your gay leaders and relationships and those who want to perform same-sex unions. And by the way, you're basically saying no to any young person who might voluntarily consider joining your church. Truly. Or like you said, you make a break and say we're leaving the denomination. But if you do that, now you have no institutional support and a lot of small churches cannot get by on their own. They don't have the membership. They don't have the money. Um, And if you're not like, how do people find your church if you're a small church in any community? In the case of like UMC churches, it's, well, go to the UMC website and say, I live here. Find me all the churches in my area. And if you're not on that list, how are people supposed to find you? So they won't. the franchisification of church has finally come and bit them in the ass? Pretty much, yes. It's just like I can't go do dinner anywhere near here that isn't a chain restaurant. That isn't on DoorDash. Yeah, pretty much, right? Uh, if you can't find it, how are you supposed to go? So the thing is... A bunch of relatively liberal, relatively in big caps here, liberal churches in the UMC said, you know what? We're just not going to enforce these rules. Uh, we're just going to do our own thing here. Mm-hmm. Let them come after us, right? Yeah. So, and the UMC, so brave. and again, this is in the middle as COVID is happening, as 
churches are not meeting in person in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. So like they have other problems they got to deal with here, but the UMC does not really enforce this ban. They are not kicking out these churches that are more progressive in their fold. And that pisses off a lot of the conservative churches in the UMC because they're like, if you're not taking these things, these rules seriously, then we're leaving. So this is <laughs> so All this right. is the problem. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> right. Like, is anyone really upset about them leaving? Well, if you're the You're U- actually solving a lot of problems for us. <laughs> if you're the UMC, it's like, oh, shit. Like, all of these... We have liberal churches that want out because we're too conservative uh-huh. for them. You have a lot of conservative churches leaving because we're not kicking out the liberal churches. And now everyone's just leaving. And by the way, leaving the UMC, as far as I could tell... It comes with a massive financial hit because if you want to disaffiliate from the UMC, you still have to, I'm quoting here from an article, you have to pay two years worth of church dues and fund any pension obligations for like the people who are staffing your church. And that's not even considering like the help you might get to do missionary work, send people from your church to other places. They have pensions? Uh, some churches do, yeah. I don't even get health care benefits. I at my know. Job. You should work at a UMC church, bro. I mean, so here's why I bring this all up. This weekend, this past weekend in Georgia, mm. they have two different groups of the UMC. There's like the northern churches and the southern churches. Are they in an auditorium? They put a masking tape. <laughs> yes. Line Mason down the Dixon line, something uh-huh. like that in Georgia. <laughs> but like the northern half of Georgia this week, the okay. North Georgia Conference of the UMC. Um, yep. This is a coalition of about 700 churches, and it's just a way to organize. They have, like, all these thousands and thousands of churches. You can't just reach everybody. Yeah. So geographically, they all just have their little umbrella groups. The North Georgia Conference, which has about 700 churches, last weekend, 261 churches said, we want out. Whoa. And basically, the conference said, fine, this weekend, we're giving you the green light to leave. Okay, so shit's happening. Yeah, as The Guardian put it, this is, quote, interpreted as conservative congregations choosing to leave rather than debate or accept the views of the more moderate factions within the church. Huh. So again, I know, let the door hit you on the way out or whatever. That's very interesting. But, and CNN put this in more context, um, this is all... We're seeing so many splits in mainline Protestant denominations over homosexuality or other LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. That includes the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church. Um, and so these requests, I think only four churches that wanted to leave, they were not ratified for, I don't know what the reasons are. But like no, the, other, the other 261, they got the green light to you leave. You leave when you turn 18. Yeah. Churches leaving the conference, they can no longer use the United Methodist name. They can't use the denomination's logo. They have to fulfill those financial obligations. They cannot pursue any further litigation against the conference because people had sued the UMC, like, let us leave. We want out. And the UMC is like, no. So there were lawsuits over this, and the courts are like, you guys figure it the hell out, but whatever. Um, But this means all these churches are ditching the UMC. And again, I'm just talking about half of Georgia. That's what this is all about. This isn't unique. It's just recent. They believe that the short-term financial losses and the rebranding of their churches will not hurt them as much Mm. in the long term. Or they think, you know what? We'll pay the price. Just let us get out of here because we don't like the way the UMC is functioning. By the way, the southern half of Georgia. Oh, yeah. How are they doing? Um. 
193 churches in their conference left earlier this year. Out of? Out of, I think there's only 274 what? churches left in that conference. Zoinks. So like a bunch. Um, over the weekend, another 59 congregations in the mm. UMC church in Iowa were given the green light to leave after another 83 left earlier this year. In fact, let me give you the big numbers here. There are roughly 30,000 UMC churches across the country as of 2019. 7,286 of them have now walked away, probably because of this controversy. And most of them are the conservative ones leaving? Has that been the pattern? I mean, again, you would have to go through and try to figure out everyone's reasoning. But it seems like a lot of this is conservative churches mad that there's no hardline approach to kick out the liberal churches. But also a lot of liberal churches are like, we don't like the way this is going. Now, the interesting thing is, with all these conservative churches leaving, yeah. if they took another vote on this stuff, right, that's going to shift the it might shift the left. UMC liberal too. And I think the conservative churches know that, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them are like, "We see where you're heading with this. You're not taking this seriously," sure. which is another reason they're they want out. Yeah, but they can't vote on it in person because they were unable to have all these conferences during COVID. Mm-hmm. So their next like UMC big meetup is not till 2024. So all of this is like just what happens when they actually take that vote and they say, we do allow it now, like gay pastors yeah, ordaining like same-sex marriages. Yeah, are they not going to be able to outnumber gonna, the, you know, they probably, international churches? They probably who, will be. But then when that happens, you're going to see a lot of international churches want out. So like, all right, let them fight. It's kind of great no, to watch from the outside. No, 100% let them fight. I am... I will never, ever, ever not be shocked that this is the hill that the churches are literally going to die on. Literally the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, it's in 2023. This is the issue that matters to them. I can't. I I genuinely, truly can't believe it. It's astounding. Even going from there, how many members of these more progressive, big quote hands, Hmm. how many members of these quote unquote progressive, no longer UMC churches are just going to leave organized Christianity altogether yeah. after all this because they're going to realize, you know what, we're better off without religion getting in the way. Mm. How many conservative, uh, no longer UMC churches, the disaffiliating ones, how many of them are joining the newly formed Global Methodist Church, which is a real thing that formed basically saying... I thought they hated globalism. Mm, not... Not in this case. Oh, okay. The Global Socialist globalism? Methodist Church. Oh, yeah. that one's bad. Th- this this is the this good is one good. now. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> the Global Methodist Church is just, yeah, we're the UMC, but we hate gay people. And they're forming. <laughs> and they exist. And all, again, Jesus. It's these just, people are just... The UMC's failure so to bring their own people together by not figuring out how to handle this issue. I mean, it says a lot about the institution and a lot of its members. And I mean, I also, just... if you're a progressive church that's in the UMC right now, guess what? You now work with an anti-gay organization. And next year, a lot of those conservative churches in the UMC are going to be working probably with a liberal organization. Yeah. Oh, boy. And why? I... Why? What are we talking about? We haven't mentioned Jesus once. No, that's ex- <laughs> oh, my God. Literally exactly what I was about to say. It's like, oh, boy. Like... Why are they... Oh, I don't know anymore, man. What? Let them fight. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of all there is to it, is just let them fight. But, like... And that's the UMC. Remember, Southern Baptists are dealing with fallout from sexual abuse and not dealing with that properly. The Catholic Church is the Catholic Church doing mm-hmm. what it always does. 
Oh, I remember what I was going to say now is if you are somebody, somebody who's just going to one of these churches, right? Not a, a, a clergy member, not, nothing besides. Just I, a lay person I going to, to a UMC. I'm Sunday. a Methodist. I call myself a Methodist and I go to church. How? Like, what kind of taste is it leaving in your mouth when you are like, hey, I am just trying to worship Jesus and be a good Christian. And meanwhile, they are like doing litig- like copyright litigation <laughs> on the Methodist logo. Like the Methodist low- church clearly has a copyright lawyer on staff <laughs> to make sure nobody is using their copyright yeah, you're material. you're disaffiliated, but I see your logo and you know how popular that UMC logo is. I just, it just feels so, uh, like... Petty. <laughs> exactly. And and if I am a person who is just trying to, like, you know, do my Sunday prayers every week and light a candle and eat a cookie or whatever they that do... That is what religion is, uh-huh. yes. I, it, I would be pretty fucking disgusted by this, Yeah, frankly. like I said, if you're disaffiliating with the church, I don't know that it's going to be that long before even more people leave your church because why am I a part of this now? Because I don't even get the benefit of being a franchisee anymore. Yeah. Like, my mom and pop church just doesn't cut I mean, it. It can't do golly, the stuff the I want. The fact that mom and pop churches can't even exist is so indicting of the capitalist structure of this <laughs> stupid country that even churches can't escape capitalism and franchising. It's yeah. miserable. What I a will. fucking stupid system. I hate everything. Glad to know there's nothing wrong with the organized atheist world. We would never <laughs> see anything like this. Listen, you and I are going on almost <laughs> 10 years of scandal-free. <laughs> knock on wood, knock on wood. No one has ever been problematic. <laughs> None whatsoever. Okay. I'm going to talk about what's going on in Vermont because this does involve a lawsuit that was Maybe filed so. this week. Uh, and we don't get to talk about Vermont that much. No. Uh, so I'm going to give you the backstory here because it is important to understand why there's a lawsuit being filed over this. Because we did talk about this when it happened, but it's long enough right. that everyone's forgotten. Back in February, there was the high school girls basketball state championship in Vermont as happens in every state pretty mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and in this, uh, there's an organization that kind of oversees competition for the high schoolers. And there was a game between the Mid-Vermont Christian School, private Christian school, that name you should know, Mid-Vermont Christian School. They were a number 12. I not I know, know the or, MG- You should know it for the sake of this CS. story. That's all. And they were a number 12 seed slated to play against oh, some team that me. was number five. Anyway, that's the bracket for you. And the thing is, Mid-Vermont Christian School said, we're not going to play because the other team has a trans person on their team. Oh, boy. And the school's leader, her name is Vicki Fogg. Here's what she said at the time. Vicki Fogg yeah, with is two an G's by the day. Two G's. And in cartoon she character said, name. Yeah. We withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. I used to really like sports. Did you know that? <laughs> there was a time in my life that I was a sports person. Yeah. I watched every fucking Cubs game. I played softball. And now? And now every time somebody brandishes sports to punish trans people, it makes me want to burn my own house down. There you go. And the thing is, like, I would like to know, how does the trans person on another team impact the safety of your players as opposed to a girl 
like whatever biological girl on the other team who's just bigger and stronger than the girls on your team. How listen, is that any different? I listen, don't know what if you. That one and that's assuming team, that's assuming the trans person on the other team is bigger and stronger. I don't know. I don't know who the kid is. Listen, if it's that one kid. team played against a Teen Wolf and didn't complain, they can play against a trans <laughs> person and be fucking fine. Right. And again, there's look. And how did they know? Are they checking genitals again? Probably. You know I hate it's when a Christian they do that. school. As research has shown, there's no consistent evidence showing that trans athletes have a competitive advantage. And also, even if they did, who gives a shit? And sports it's high, are fucking stupid. And it's high school sports. It's not professional. It's meant to be fun. It's about the journey, not do the outcomes. Do you think these mid mid Vermont gals <laughs> are WNBA bound? No, they're just trying to have fun and play right. fucking basketball and like. And for what it's worth, if they think this, oh, if the other team allows a trans person, they will just whoop the all the competition. Here's what happened in that tournament. Hmm. The official score for that game that never happened because the Christians forfeited. Mm. It was one 69. to nothing. Oh. One to nothing. And then the other team played the next game and lost 45 to 26. Like it was a blowout. Uh-oh. And the team with the trans player lost big. But again, that's <laughs> how competition works. Like Whatever. Not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just like Michael Jordan never lost a single game never, in his ever. entire career. Because a having one and talented person is all <laughs> a basketball team needs? Question yeah, mark? What are team we sport. teaching people? And here's the thing. To their credit, the Vermont Principals Association, which is the group that oversees high school athletic competitions in the state, uh-huh. they said, no, we're standing by our inclusive policies here. We have a no-tolerance policy when it comes to discrimination based on a student's actual or perceived sex and gender. Nice. So, Good. Well, Vermont, yeah. Um, and two weeks later, they after the competition, they basically said, fine, mid-Vermont Christian school. They do what a lot of states do, which is, look, Christian private schools, they don't necessarily have a big league, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we want kids to be allowed to compete. So they do say, fine, you can compete within the public oh, school they competition. they put their petty bullshit away so yeah. kids can enjoy sports? Right. And mm. plenty of states do that, mm. and they just say, you just have to follow our rules. And mm. sometimes the issues are like, well, scheduling. We play our basketball games on, like, a Saturday. So if your religious private school, like, has to obey the Sabbath, too damn bad for you. We have a competition to uphold here. That's our job. So sometimes you see controversies like that. But two weeks after this game that the Christian school forfeited... The Vermont Principals Association said, fine, mid-Vermont Christian school, if you don't want to abide by our non-discrimination policy, then you're just not allowed to participate in our league in any VPA-sponsored events. That means athletic, but also academic stuff. You just can't be part of our group. Mm -hmm. It was a unanimous vote Mm -hmm. of the 15-member committee. Wasn't even a hard call because state law forbids discrimination against Mm -hmm. out-trans athletes, but it was the right thing to do. The executive director of the group said uh, very bluntly at the time, if you don't want to follow VPA rules, that's fine. But then you're just not a VPA member. I mean, so well put. Yeah. Right? It was like, great. It's so simple. Black it's the way it should have happened. So the Mid-Vermont Christian School responded to all of this by... Suing. No, not yet. Oh. They just complained. They said... Canceling our membership is not a solution and does nothing to deal with the very real issue of safety and fairness facing women's sports in our beloved state, says Nothing in the rule book says a dog can't (laughs) play basketball. Yep. And so now, brings us to this week. I thought that story was over in February or March when all this stuff went down. No, now the Christian school has filed a lawsuit against basically every single, all three people in Vermont. And they're with the help of Alliance Defending Freedom, the right-wing legal group. 
And it's a lawsuit on behalf of the school and two families claiming that the state violated their First Amendment rights by preventing them from practicing their religious beliefs about sexuality and gender. I don't think that's what the First Amendment says. It, I don't think it's, it's whatever they want it to mean. You have <laughs> this is what they say. Despite twenty, despite twenty-eight years of prior participation in the league, the school cannot compete in any VPA athletics, effectively blacklisting the school from all state-sponsored events in the state. The VPA is going so far as to exclude Mid Vermont Christian and its students from participating in co-ed athletic academic competitions like the Geography Bee, Science and Math Fair, and Debate and Forensics League, all because the school believes biological differences between boys and girls matter, which is like, yeah, that's how it works. You didn't want to follow the VPA's rules, so you don't get to compete. It doesn't yeah, matter what's that... the alternate? Like, every single school in the entire state changes to suit you, Christians? I don't think that's how it's going like to work. Again, so if they don't want to follow the public entity's rules, they don't yourself. get the benefits. The VPA was doing them a favor by allowing them into Truly. the club here. And if they don't want to follow the rules, that's their dis- No one's saying they can't have their rules. If they're bigots, the state says you can be bigots. That's fine. But you don't get access to what we offer if you don't want to follow our rules. Like the Christian school chose this route. So is so is the uh, the athletic association saying that by refusing to play against a team with a trans person, that is all they needed to... If you're forfeiting a game and you openly say the reason is okay. we will not play against a Got trans it. student... Well, now you are being openly discriminatory. Uh, sure. If you just said we forfeit for reasons, I don't know. They might have gotten away with it because mm. they didn't say. But they're very clear. Like, no, we don't want to compete against trans people in sports. Well, then that's fine. You can yeah. you can say absolutely never. say that, but you don't get access to this. One of the things I found interesting, and tell me if you follow this logic here, because, again, we're not lawyers. But in the 71-page lawsuit, the right-wing legal group says they cite Supreme Court decisions in their favor and one of the ones they cite is the Carson v. Mackin case that was decided a couple of years ago that says if a state offers certain benefits to public schools, they can't deny those benefits to private, usually Christian, schools either. They weren't. And the case we were talking about with Carson v. Mackin is like if you're offering tuition assistance to like rural kids in Maine to go to private schools, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't say religious private schools are excluded from the list. Right. That's what the Supreme Court said. Which well, bad. this group, and that is a bad decision, but that was their decision. What this group is doing now is saying, see, if you're going to allow these schools to participate in your athletic competitions or academic competitions, you can't deny us from participating in that just because we're Christian but again, that's not what it, even it the Supreme Court case said, because Maine lawmakers, after that case came down, you know how they nullified that ruling from the Supreme Court? Maine lawmakers passed a law saying, fine, taxpayer dollars can go to private religious schools. That's what the law says now. Thanks, uh-huh. John Roberts Court. But guess what? We're passing a law that says any school that wants these taxpayer dollars has to promise not to discriminate against people on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. That was not in the rules before. We're passing a law saying that's in the rules now. And guess what happened? All those, the, including the schools that sued over this, oh, they're like, actually. Yeah, they're like, you know what? We don't need your tuition dollars anymore. Mm-hmm. So they walked away. I think literally one uh, Christian school now accepts tuition dollars in Maine, and it's a more it wasn't even one involved in the lawsuits. Neat. But the point is, Vermont then 
has this non-discrimination policy that applies equally to everybody. Right. How can you claim that that's discriminatory if it's a set rule for everyone? So, yeah. So I don't get how they're citing that case in their defense because that's not what the law says. Well, it was a case of we're Christian, so we get to do whatever the fuck we want to. And I think that's what they are banking on. Again, not a lawyer, but I think that's the statute that they're... Also in the (laughs) lawsuit... The lawsuit also says the the Vermont Agency of Education, like their state education department, last year, just like in Maine, passed laws requiring all private schools that want taxpayer-funded tuition dollars to obey non-discrimination laws. They passed the same law that Maine did, and Mid-Vermont Christian School said, no, we don't want to be a part of this. So the state says, fine, then you're not a, quote, approved independent school and that means you don't get access to public funds. Yeah. And they're also suing over that, basically saying that the entities that are basically mad at them for being bigots, mm-hmm. uh, they're saying you can't do that to us. And they're saying the state has given us an impossible Hobson's choice, like two bad decisions. Hobson's choice. That's, uh, that's it. Two, two bad decisions. One, abandon our religious beliefs, character, and practices and adopt and follow the state's gender identity rules. Or two, adhere to the religious beliefs, character, and practices, miss out on middle school and high school sports, lose valuable tuition reimbursements, and inevitably lose students necessary to keep our doors open. They're basically saying, what do you want us to do? Obey your heretic ways or follow our religious beliefs. But if we do, then we don't get access to competition. And guess what a lot of parents are going to do then? Hmm. Say, well, then we're not going to send our kids here because they don't have a lot of great opportunities anymore. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, dog, that's what you wanted. You chose that route. Yeah. You don't, no one's forcing you to be a bigot. I don't feel bad for you. Also, right. apparently Hobson's Choice is a movie from 1954. You know, the 1954 movie. A man who refuses to let his three daughters get married because he doesn't want to pay settlements. Mm. So that's a really relevant and contemporary <laughs> reference he's making. What are you, what is this? I, I feel like about? they wanted to say we were Sophie's damned. Choice? So, well, oh. <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. And they're like, can't say that word in a lawsuit. I don't know. They also they I'm also so, misgender I'm, the trans player repeatedly oh, in the lawsuit. Of course they do. They of don't respect they do. anybody who is not so, them. I have a question for you. I hope this lawsuit gets thrown out. It should be thrown out because I don't think they have a valid case to even make. I don't know why a judge would waste any time on this. Well. But I think this is worth paying attention to because if they can find a way to win this case, which I don't think they will, um, but if they find a way to do it, holy crap, that's bad news for everybody. But right now, we'll see. Can I ask you a just quick question about the connect? Thinking of okay, a trans woman is playing on a basket, a girls' basketball yeah. team, and we won't play against them because of that. Versus, I know a few years ago we covered a Christian school that there was a female wrestler. Mm. And they forfeited and because they wouldn't do the that? The boys who were from a Christian school, or I don't remember if it was just a Christian boy at a public school, said, I'm oh, not going yeah. to wrestle a girl. Yeah. Um, and I, then, again, I think, the deci- I think in that case, I don't remember, I don't have the details in front of me, I think in that case, everyone's just like, fine, then you have to forfeit. Right. And the kid forfeited, and that was the end of it. Like and right. then Christian media outlets are like, this boy gave he up his dream, as if everyone is 
owed right. like a championship medal because right. you refused to play what your about competition. about people who work so hard? Uh, I work hard at shit. I don't yeah. get any the rewards. The girls worked hard. Ever. They're on the wrestling team. Um, you played them. I don't know. I just think, I don't know why those two kind of come to my brain. I guess it's sort of an intersection of sports and like culture wars that we don't get to see very yeah. much. I just, I mean, the case of the wrestlers, they weren't punished in any way. They just said like, I don't want to play a well, girl. And everyone said, team, then you have to forfeit. A team decision, right? So I, that was an it individual. It would have impacted the team. It was an individual thing, but it would have impacted the team score. But again, oh, yeah. if you want to forfeit, you can forfeit. No one's forcing you to compete, yeah. but you will lose the game or you will lose the match. You, and as long as they accept that and don't fight it, that's fine. Then the schools can keep competing. The kids can keep competing. Do you think that if that situation escalated the way this is? Do and the th- boy sued or something yeah. like that. Yeah. What do you think is the difference between... I don't know. I'm just sort of... In that, if the if the state sanctioned group that oversees like wrestling, whether yeah. if that was in Colorado or wherever it was, if they said, "Well, then we're going to kick your school out of the whole program," right? Then maybe that's too much, right? But if the in that case, I think the wrestler just said, "Well, I'm not playing a girl. I'm not wrestling a girl, so I forfeit." Yeah. and everyone's like, "Yeah, you lose. You're out of the competition. You have to go to like the next." tear down or whatever right, right and he accepted that losers bracket losers bracket and that was the end of it yeah. so there's n- he didn't complain about it he mm-hmm. accepted it and he got to be a little christian hero in right-wing media for a bit if they were if this went to a lawsuit do you think they would use the same argument no because no? different situation and you the think? state didn't come down on the wrestler or the team or anybody but but i'm saying if if they had escalated in the same way, uh, maybe. do you think I they would use like a freedom of religion thing of like my religion teaches me that women that is the argument in the kitchen or whatever? That is the <laughs> argument they're making that you're impacting our religious freedom by yeah. punishing us for just practicing our religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they don't care about your religious beliefs. This is about discrimination. Yeah. And if you don't want to play by those rules, it doesn't matter what your religion mm-hmm. is. They're not going after you because of that. So yeah. I don't think they can get away with that. So I don't think the lawsuit will be successful. Sure. But by the way, there are like girls who play football like division one schools they're usually field goal kickers or something but i've never heard of a football team saying we're not gonna play you because we might have to tackle her yeah and so we're not gonna play like let's see that happen i mean it won't work do you think he was just afraid of getting a boner probably yeah yeah anyway let's go to i found jessica bait story where i think you're gonna get mad about this one because and i'm gonna be on the other side of it okay here's the setup like when we argue i know um, this is Foley High School in Alabama, regular public high school. A student uh, earlier this month, she put up, I'll give you the good secular version of the story. She wanted to put up like an affirmation sign next to the mirror in the girl's bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, leave a note. Say something nice. Mm-hmm. Here's markers and some st- uh, post-it notes. Like, okay. leave a nice message. And when she came back, the whole mirror is just Full of affirmations everywhere. It's lovely. Yeah, if you look at cute. if you look at what some of the kids wrote on there, there were things like "Be happy, smile." Life is too short to be unhappy. Be the reason someone smiles today. Very cute. Very nice. Well, and it seems a like she, toxic positivity. But, all right, uh, they're teens. Uh, and again, there's a cute picture of the girl looking at all of these sticky Can notes. Yeah, and she's just like, "Oh, this is like you could tell she's very happy that this oh, worked out." Cute. Right. Aww. It's super cute. Um, here's why this is a problem. The problem is the actual sign she put up was not leave a positive note. It was prayer mirror. Oh boy. And because of that, plenty of the notes also said things like respond like Jesus, not the world. 
God is always with you. With God, all things are possible. And the thing is, like, whatever. A student did yeah. it. No one's saying she should get in trouble for it. it. It's fine. It's a little student experiment. Sure. Students have more leeway to proselytize, to yeah, talk about their religion. No one's talking about the girl. And it's much more of an opt-in approach here as opposed to, say, like, a Christian student hijacking the intercom during morning yeah. announcements to lead a prayer. Now, should the prayer mirror remain up is a question. Because the thing is, the school should not allow a student to just take over this space in a bathroom right. Right. and use it for religious proselytizing, which is kind of what's going on. Um, again, no one's saying they should get anyone in trouble. No. They're just saying you, you can't leave this up for good. This is a very cute thing to happen. It's not going to be a permanent right. fixture. And the thing is, the high school actually took a picture, the picture I just showed you here, of the girl smiling, like mm -hmm. hands over her mouth. Oh, my God looking at all these affirmations, the school posted that on their uh, social media page and said, this student started a positive affirmation campaign in our girls' bathroom. We know how powerful words can be, and we are proud of this student for taking the initiative to do this. And also, it's like, buddy, we could see the sign on right. the mirror that says prayer mirror. Right. You can zoom in on the picture and see the religious things. So not, now the school is actively promoting this thing too. Mm. Not just, uh, it happened and all right, fine. Now we'll take it down, whatever. Like now the school's promoting it. So the Freedom From Religion Foundation sent a letter to the school district basically saying, while we can certainly understand why the district would want to create a forum for students to provide messages of positivity and affirmation to boost students' morale, the district cannot do so through a prayer mirror where students are encouraged to post prayer requests, Bible verses, mm -hmm. it says by the post-its, or other religious messages. We ask that the district investigate this matter, remove the religious display, and stop encouraging students to participate in this prayer mirror. And basically what they didn't write but they could write is, if you want to do this, by all means, let a student, let the school say like, positive affirmation mirror or whatever version of that you want to call it mm -hmm. and put, leave the post-it notes and markers and let kids do it. But don't say write Bible verses, which is what the sign says yeah. or religious messages. Like that's all well and good. It's mm -hmm. fine. If they actually wanted to promote an affirmation wall, even if a kid left a Bible verse on the wall, I don't think anyone would care. It would actually be fine. But actively promoting a prayer mirror. Sure. For the public school, that crosses a line. So it's the right idea. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those like cases where it's like, I know it's such an easy headline to attack the atheist for going after this seemingly cute, positive thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be the wrong way of doing this because no one's stopping the school or the student from repeating this experiment without injecting religion into the mix. That yeah. would not be a hard thing to do. But I, I'm waiting for it to be spun that way. So I'm, it'll happen. I just... I don't know. Do Wait, you think, is that it? That's it. Wait, you what did think, you think I would think? I thought you would say, let the let it slide. It's not a big deal. It's a positive thing. Eh. All right. Interesting. I mean, I I also think the school was like low-key covering its ass by saying positive <laughs> affirmation. Like I think they were trying to get out ahead of that. Yeah. They if, knew. If maybe they knew. like if they're savvy enough, which maybe I'm just projecting um <laughs> my own savviness, I guess. Um but yeah, I agree with everything you said honestly like i i uh, i i think it's kind of fine that the school posted it on facebook like especially since again they labeled it as a positive affirmation thing yeah. i thought that was gonna be the thing that, that like christians are gonna be like no it's prayer i'm sure some of them did in the comments but yeah sure that's um 
But yeah, no, I uh, don't have a lot of problems Excellent. with that. Good for us. Good job, team. Yay. See, guys, we're adults. <laughs> Mom and dad are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Satanists. Oh. Uh, they had a major victory this week in a big lawsuit. Um, and again, to understand what just happened with this lawsuit, I need to rehash what happened this year in Pennsylvania because this involves the After School Satan Club. <laughs> and in, back in February, uh, because the Saucon Valley Middle School has a good news club where parents basically promote Christianity to, and indoctrinate little kids, mm-hmm. this, uh, the Satanic Temple said, fine, we're launching an After School Satan Club in the same middle school. Uh, it's run the same way. We'll fill out the same paperwork. And the thing is, unlike the Christian group, the the ass clubs do not promote Satan or Satanism or Satanic beliefs. Like, it's a science club with arts and crafts. That's what oh, that's it cute. is, right? Um, they actually, the, the writing says, we focus on free inquiry and rationalism, the scientific basis for which we know what we know about the world around us. Mm-hmm. That's it. You can look at the poster, too. It just, it says, science projects, community service, puzzles and games, nature activities, arts and crafts, snacks. Now, That's is this their intended promotion. as bait, or is it just intended as, like, well, I'll just let you keep telling the story. How about that? No, that's it. I mean, is it bait? Maybe for headlines, but, it, it, like, they have parents willing to run this sure. thing. They, If they apparently have students eager to join mm-hmm. and parents allowing them to join, like, fine. It shouldn't be What's a problem, problem for here? anybody. Yeah. But inevitably, Christians get mad. Sure. And it's like, what are you mad about? Because Everything. if you want the Good News Club to exist... The door is open for other people, too. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, in February, the school board here approved the Satanist group's use of the space. But the day they did that, uh, actually, after they approved it, someone anonymously left the district a voicemail saying, if you allow this club to meet, I'm going to cause harm at the school. Someone left a threatening voicemail saying... This was a while okay, ago. We I talked about it now. at the time. Okay, yeah, and that sounds familiar. To, I'll try to keep this short, but like district officials, they were understandably worried. Mm. So that day they canceled all after school activities in the district. The next day they did the same thing and canceled all classes. Like that's wow. how disruptive and seriously they took this threat. The superintendent contacted police. But then things got even weirder because the superintendent the next day said the district's going to review the Satan Club's use of our facility. I don't think it which was is weird. called the It Satan is not. Club. She was wrong. But whatever. She said, we're going to review their use of our facility here, which is weird because... Tiptoeing near religious persecution, but right. okay. Like, what did the Satanists have to do with the guy who called in a threat? No, nothing. Was it Satan who called in the threat, It was think? not. Oh, They okay. didn't phone in the threat. They didn't... The Satanists didn't put kids in danger. They only launched the group in response to the Christian club. So, like, what are you doing? And by Friday, guess what? The review was complete, and the superintendent said, quote, yeah. she had rescinded approval for the Satanic Temple to use the facilities due to violating district policy. Really? And here's the quotation from the district. Our community has experienced chaos. Our students, staff, and teachers have had to endure a threat to their safety and welfare. The gravity of feelings of instability, anxiety, and fear have been profound. And so they punished the Satanic Temple for some for what some unknown culprit did. That is 
bad leadership. Horrible leadership. And the what district. What lesson are you teaching children? Here's um, the lesson. Here's, if you bully somebody enough, they'll do what you say. And it's a playbook for Christian terrorists anywhere. 100%. Oh, is there an atheist or satanic club meeting at your local school? Just call in a threat and mention the non-Christian group mm-hmm. as your motivation, which is what this anonymous caller did. And watch the chaos unfold. Like, that's a horrible precedent to set. Like, this is Joker level shit. The school could easily have just said, we're working with law enforcement to ensure the safety of all students. We will provide extra security. Um, But we're not going to get rid of this club because they are meeting and it's legal and it's proper. And we have kids who are interested. And it's their First Amendment, right? To do whatever the fuck they want in their So banning the Satanic Temple gave an unearned victory to whoever called in the threat. And not to mention the Christian group that would benefit from it. Have we heard this voicemail? Have they released it to the public? Uh, does it exist? It does, does exist. Does this conspiracy I'm sure, go all the way to the top? I'm sure you could FOIA request that board, thing. It doesn't matter, though. But, like, the ACLU sued the district in March saying, you can't do this. You're giving a heckler's veto to those who dislike the group's religious viewpoint. A heckler's veto. Is that yeah. an expression? Yeah. I've never heard yeah, that. Yeah, like Basically, that. you're letting the ter- terrorist win mm-hmm. by infringing upon our group's rights. Mm-hmm. Um and there were some other smaller issues, like the school said the Satanists didn't include a certain disclaimer in their advertisements for the club. And the Satanists are like, yeah, we did. And the permission slip created for parents. You're talking about something that a random person posted on social media. Jesus. Like, so what are you talking about? As for the permission slip that they filled out and that was supposed to be sent home with parents, the school said it was never even sent home. They didn't allow that permission slip to go out. Really? Um, she's, the superintendent said non-affiliated school organizations can't just make us send something home with parents. The problem is that the Good News Club, which is also non-affiliated, yeah. uh, they were allowed to send permission slips home. Oh, really? Home. That's so strange. And the, the superintendent's like, yeah, we just made a mistake on that one, but it won't happen again. It's like, you're treating them better wow, on purpose. Okay. You're not helping out here. Uh, can I have a quick question <clears throat> yeah. in here? ACLU versus Freedom From Religion Foundation, mm-hmm. who would get their hand on that ball first? Or like, um, how does up- it... Is it, it just first come first serve kind of deal? Or? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes okay. the groups coordinate and say like, "Listen, this is more up your wheelhouse because it's strictly First Amendment issues." Gotcha. We're, versus versus separation for, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's they all the legal groups and they all do different things. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they talk to each other and decide mm, your like group is better off. Together. Yeah. I mean that that's not even untrue. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Um, I, I know I know the atheist and church state separation groups. They're all in communication oh, with course. each other often. But as, by the way, side note, the terrorist who made that threatening phone call, that guy was arrested in February. Really? Who was um, it? It's some dude. Was he a parent? Was he... I don't know who... No, he was some outsider dude, but he had no connection wow. to, like, the, the school, satanic temple, as a, far as we know. Um, he didn't have a student in school. He I don't didn't, think so. Interesting. Yeah. So chest. here's the thing. They filed this lawsuit, mm. and basically, um, at some point this summer, uh, a judge... Ruled in, I'm sorry, no, in March, pretty quickly after all this happened. In March, a U.S. district judge said, the district has to allow the Satanists to meet. They did everything right. You can't ban them from meeting. Um, The district does not have to give the group's permission slips to parents. I will let that part slide, like, because outsider groups can't, whatever, fine. Just stick to that rule, fine. But you can't ban them from meeting. And here's what the judge said right up front. When confronted with a challenge to free speech, the government, or the school districts, the government's first instinct must be to forward expression rather than quash it, particularly when the content is controversial or inconvenient. Hmm. Like, yeah, First Mm -hmm. Amendment, exactly. He also mentioned, by the way, the judge in his decision said, 
You know who had to do the same thing to fight to get access to the stuff? The Jesus. good, the Good News Club specifically. Why are they in schools? Because they said you can't ban us from meeting, and they had to take it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, if, if you're allowing whatever extracurricular clubs mm-hmm. to meet, you can't say no to a group just because it's a religious group. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, the Satanists can now use that law to make sure they're ha- they have access to schools. <laughs> so. He said, the judge, the district has no right to ban the Satanists from meeting. The ACLU called that a victory. Mm. So that all happened in March. We discussed it when it happened. Here's the update. Okay. Now, the district has a choice. Do we appeal that decision and keep fighting this? Or, or what do we do? So they have now chosen to settle the case and stop fighting it. Mm. And in reality, what that means is they have to pay the Satanists $1, because the Satanists weren't looking for money here. Right. But their insurance provider for the oh. district has to pay $200,000 in legal fees. Whoa. Yeah. The district has to pay that you out in legal fees. You fucked up, yep. gang. And the settlement Ooh, you says... you fucked up real bad. The settlement says the payment is, quote, not an admission of wrongdoing. Obviously. Uh-huh. But it's a recognition that there was a constitutional injury from what you did. You violated the First Amendment rights. We're not admitting we did it. We're 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 admitting that your rights were (laughs) violated. But we didn't do it. We're not using the active voice here. We're using the passive voice. Yeah. One other thing (laughs) is... um, Okay, so they settled... (laughs) Your rights were violated (laughs) by someone. Here's $200,000. It wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The interesting thing is they actually had school board elections in South Carolina Valley recently... And this played a role in the elections because the public was pissed off that the school board was trying to ban the Satanist group. Not because they have any love for Satanists, but they're saying this is so obviously a mistake of what your what this school board is doing. A quarter of a million dollar mistake. Like we know we're going to lose this case. Jesus. And so four school board incumbents were voted out Lida. in favor of challenges and I'm quoting Elections from Elections work sometimes. Uh, Lucian Greaves, the Satanic Temple's co-founder, he told me they were voted out in favor of challengers who ran a campaign primarily focused on the enormous pointless waste yeah. they incurred by violating our civil liberties. Nice. Nice, uh, nice, nice. And then he added, per- it. perhaps it's time to stop wasteful public crusades that seek to unconstitutionally limit our civil liberties and to respect the choices of non-Christian parents, too. Perhaps. So, Perhaps, indeed. Like you said, the school district fucked around. Now it found out. <sighs> now they're not going to have any clubs because all of that money is going to be going <laughs> for legal Again, fees. So this is the insurance provider, the insurance provider has to pay it. I understand it. it's not coming out of the school's pocket. Yeah. I understand. But also joke the joke isn't in, funny because it's but, accurate. But the insurance provi- insurance premium is going to go oh, up. Oh, yeah, that's going to go up. Yeah. Hey, boy. <laughs> Let me bring up uh, at least one, one more story I want to bring up, and we'll wrap this up. But this is timely, I think. Last month, Maryland did something really important, which is that they passed a law that eliminated the statute of limitations for survivors of child sexual abuse, oh, which is something... That has happened in many states at this point. Yeah, we're seeing it a lot. Yeah, the law in question, it does cap how much money a survivor could receive based on who they're suing. Is it an individual, an institution, a public or private institute? But Mm. it allows people who suffered abuse decades ago to finally try to get justice. And the thing is, before the law went into effect, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the Archdiocese of Baltimore in Maryland, they declared bankruptcy. 
uh, because that move allows certain parts of the church to continue functioning while limiting the exposure they would face from mm-hmm. all these lawsuits. Just like Jesus would have. Uh-huh. And now the reason I bring this up, the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., which is also affected by this change in law, they are now suing over this new law. Suing? They're suing the state, saying that new law you passed to give like more ju- options for justice to survivors... That uh, violates the state constitution. Sure. We're saying... The constitutional right to abuse children with impunity? Basically, they're saying... Their basic argument is that by allowing survivors to sue their abusers long after the crimes took place, it violates due process. Um, And in short, let me try to explain this as a non-lawyer. The church claims that the Child Victims Act, the one that just passed, is unconstitutional because... About seven years ago, six, seven years ago, another law passed in favor of victims, Mm -hmm. and it gave survivors more pathways to justice. It said no survivor of child abuse at the time could sue beyond the age of 38, which was a lot higher than it was in the Mm -hmm. past. So it was an improvement, but it limited, like you have to... After 38, you can't sue anymore. I'm 38 now, and I'm finally (laughs) coming to grips with a lot of things in my life, so that's not great. It also said defendants who didn't commit the crimes, like the Catholic Church as an institution, could not be sued over these newly revived claims. You can go after the dude who did it, but you can't go over the after the Catholic Church. I don't know if I agree with that, because the Catholic Church was definitely a part of it, and it's a systemic issue. Yep. But now the new law, which... to the Catholic Church, you know, the new, for all their gold thrones. <laughs> the new law says that cap of you have to be 38 and then you're done. We got rid of that number. That's what the new law does. And the new law says before we said you can't sue the institution that mm. harbored the criminals, um, you can go after the institutions now. Okay. And what the Catholic Church is saying, no, you gave us immunity years ago from all this stuff. You can't just undo that now because mm. the law says you can't do that sort of thing. That's it. And the thing is, the state, the attorney general of the state, Anthony Brown, when the law was being debated and considered, he actually sent a memo saying, I know this is going to come up as an issue, but I'm telling you, we're doing the law that is being proposed is actually fine, and it's not going to be a constitutional violation. And he said, our office, if this gets challenged for the reasons that it's now being challenged under, he said, our office will defend it. And he reiterated that this week. Here's what Anthony Brown, the Attorney General of Maryland, said this week. As I advised the General Assembly during the 2023 session, I can, in good faith, defend the constitutionality of the Child Victims Act. Hmm. Um, And basically, the law firm that filed a lawsuit, like there was a class action lawsuit against the Catholic Church, and they actually said that their roughly 100 clients suffered a wide variety of serious physical, emotion, and financial injuries Mm -hmm. at the hands of clergy members and one of the attorneys basically said that by challenging this law for these, he's basically saying frivolous reasons, the church is trying to, quote, protect admitted wrongdoers and sexual abusers. Yep. And the thing is, we know why the Catholic Church is fighting this in any way they can. Mm-hmm. They didn't win on the ethical grounds. Like no. the the they have no lawmakers ethics. were like, yeah, we're not listening to you on this front because we're in the right here. Mm-hmm. 
So they lost on that front. The law passed. And now they're like, oh, fine. Throw anything against the wall legally and Truly. see if anything sticks. Well, it's and the reason a thing you can do when you have deep-ass pockets because yes. you live in a house of gold thrones. And in case anyone needs a reminder, the reason all this is happening is because earlier this year, Attorney General Brown released a 463-page report investigating sexual abuse into the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Mm. That was a four-year project, the result of a grand jury investigation. And it found that over 600 children, quote, but the number is likely far higher, mm. were abused by 156 predators working with the Catholic Church since the 1940s. Most of those predators are dead. Some of them are still alive and not previously suspected of any wrongdoing. Huh. And by the way, name of church officials who helped cover up their alleged crimes, that was also in the report, wow. but some of those names were redacted. But the thing is, like, yeah, it's a big problem. People are coming after the church. Yeah, they're One, bad. One archdiocese is declared bankruptcy, and now this one's trying to file a lawsuit. Just anything to get out of what they have coming to them. Yeah, wow. Um, and again, I would, I've said this before. I think it bears repeating. The punishment for the church won't come from a lawsuit or any of this stuff. The only way the institution will suffer is if the worshipers who call themselves Catholic walk away, stop giving the church their time, their money, and just break ties altogether. Like tradition it shouldn't be an excuse to prop up a criminal enterprise. Yeah. So. Jesus. Huh. <sighs> Good times people. had by all. Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to pause there. So, where do we find you? Oh, you okay. I don't know. You can find me. You can email us. You can email us at friendlyatheistpodcast@gmail.com. You can also Always leave us a review on And while on Jess is iTunes. pulling that up, you can support this show by going to patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast. It's the holidays. Support your local podcasts and independent journalists. Um, I was trying to find, there's a really, oh, here. This one is genuinely the meanest one I've read about <laughs> me in a minute. Um, unaware from Same Here Today, Jessica Colon. If you, that's me. If you put as much effort into lifestyle changes as you do <laughs> complaining, your life would improve. Please use the money you make from this podcast to bankroll your therapy. You have a lot of potential to improve with time. Wait, how many stars is that? One star. Oh. Yeah, so. <laughs> it That was really, like. That's a low blow. Isn't it? Anyway, um, Uber must not need money, said great resource. I have I had a very extended drive for work and discovered this podcast right before. Extremely informative on all the little news nuggets that seem to get buried. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Uber must not need money. <laughs> Thank you. And we fuck appreciate you, that other it. guy. <laughs> we will see you next week. Stick around for the bonus episode. I, I have stuff I'll talk about. Oh, good, because I don't. Excellent. All right. Have a good holidays, everyone. See you soon. Bye.